If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 14. John 14, we'll begin our reading at verse 7 and read tonight through verse 11. And now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. The grass withers, the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 1 through 6 of John 14, and we heard the Lord telling his disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. And then we saw last Sunday evening how Jesus is the only way to God. He is the way to God. He is the truth of God. He is the life of God. And there is no other way for sinful man to enter into heaven other than through Jesus. And so tonight we continue on. Again, Jesus is speaking to his disciples at this moment. Judas is gone. Judas is gone to do that work of betrayal that Jesus has already referenced earlier. Uh, and, And Jesus is spending his last moments on earth with the 11 faithful disciples. And so tonight we are told by our Lord that God the Father is revealed to us through God the Son. In one way or another, the passages that followed Thomas's query about the way. Remember back in, in verse 5, Thomas said to the Lord, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And that's when Jesus responded, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But Thomas's query about the way brings out the relationship of the follower of Jesus to God the Father. Again, Jesus is the only way to God. Therefore, Jesus is the one who reveals to us God the Father. To know Jesus is to know God the Father. To know Jesus is also to know God the the Holy Spirit. And so again, as we are often we often see in John's gospel, we are again face to face with the doctrine of the Trinity. 
Now that doctrine is beyond our comprehension. We cannot logically explain it. We cannot logically make everyone else believe it. But yet, it is a doctrine that is clearly taught in Scripture. But how can God be one God but three persons? It's beyond us. Now that doesn't surprise us because we worship an infinite God and we are finite human beings. Finite creatures created by God. And so we who are finite will never be able to completely understand the infinite. But yet, it is a doctrine that we see and hear in God's Word. So it is a doctrine that we accept and we believe. And we accept it simply because God's Word teaches it. We accept it because God's Word teaches teaches us this doctrine, and tonight Jesus shows us that He is the one who reveals to us and to His earthly disciples God the Father. So there are two things we see tonight uh, from our text. And the first is this, that if we know the Son, we also know the Father. Now that is very important for us, because if we do not know the Son of God, then we do not know God the Father. There are many tonight who believe they can know God without knowing Jesus. But if you go back to verse 6, Jesus has already told us that's not happening. That is impossible. Here in verse 7, our Lord said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Now later we find that to know God and to know Jesus is life eternal. That knowledge is not something that leads to life eternal, but it is life eternal. Notice he tells his disciples, if you had known me. Now what is Jesus saying there? What is that construction implying? Well, it is implying that they do not know him or at least they do not know him as they ought to know him now there was a sense in which they did know him if they did not know him in 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 a sense why would they have left everything to follow him remember they left everything to follow the lord jesus for for three years but jesus's meaning is not that they were totally ignorant of him but rather that there were some important things about him that they did not know. Which meant that they did not know his essential being. Now again, why do so many in Israel stumble over Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ of God? Well, simply put, they stumble because Jesus told them very plainly that I am God. I'm God come in the flesh. To them, that was blasphemy. They understood that, in their minds, that this man could not be deity. But we know that he's both. Jesus has revealed himself, both God and man. But many stumbled in this way. And and even the disciples truly did not know the Lord as they ought to have known him. And because of that, they also really did not know the Father. 
Now it was the Father that they had professed to worship all their lives. Now Jesus comes to them and he is the revelation of God the Father. It is Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, who has shown us who God and who the Father really is. Apart from Christ's revelation, all knowledge of the Father is defective. Now all you have to do is look to those tonight who are trying to, to know God and, and their image apart from Jesus. They will never know God because they, they are seeking God in, in, in a way where He will never be found. And so as Jesus speaks to them, the events of the, of the next few hours with the disciples' complete misunderstanding of the significance of the cross and with the failure of every one of them to stand with Jesus in His hour of trial, it would show that they did not really know Jesus and that accordingly they did not really know God the Father. In the latter part of verse 7, Jesus says, From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is telling them that all of that is about to change. From now on points to a different set of circumstances. Now Jesus did not mean that very minute that he spoke. That a change was taking place. But he is saying that the present events were the critical ones. What would happen in those next few hours would eventually bring them into a genuine and deep knowledge of God the Father. And what we would be the pinnacle of, of those next few hours, it would be the death of Christ on the cross. In Christ's saving act, they would come to know the Father as they had never known Him before. They would know God the Father in a way that they had not known Him. Why? Because... Jesus came revealing the Father to him, to them. And we know this has been the experience of the Christian church throughout the centuries. And that Jesus has carried out this promise. Those who, who know Christ, they really and truly know the Father. But not only that, Jesus also says, and this is the second thing we we see and understand tonight that if we see the Son, we see the Father. The rest of our text, Jesus is doing with that because Philip has a request in verse 8. Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Now Philip would have been very familiar with the scriptural teaching that God sometimes had appeared to his people. We think back, there was a time when Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the, and the company of the 70 elders of Israel had a, a vision of God in Exodus chapter 24. In Exodus 33, Moses prayed that God would show him his glory. God had told Moses that no one could see the face of God and live, but that God would show him his back. And so Philip, it seems, had these times in his mind when he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. 
And we know God is a spirit and does not have a body like man. But Jesus is the revelation of God. He is God who has come in the flesh. And so it seemed clear that Philip had the idea that Jesus could bring about such a vision and, and that this would clear up many of, of their difficulties, many of the, of the misunderstandings that they had. And so Jesus responds in verse 10. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen the Father, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And we know Philip had been with the Lord throughout his earthly ministry. Philip was one of the, the first disciples called by Jesus. And actually Jesus found him and called him. And so Jesus says, how can you say this? How can you say, show us the Father? You see, Philip had many advantages. He had seen and been with Jesus since the early days of his ministry. But yet, he still did not understand as he saw Jesus, he also had seen the Father. Why? Because Jesus and the Father are one as well as the Spirit. And so you see Christ, you see the revelation of God the Father. And with all the advantages that Philip had of being so near to Jesus, he ought to have known more than he, than he knew. So Jesus continues in verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus here speaks of belief, of faith. The faith for which Jesus looked in his followers is the faith that what? Faith that believes. And what does he say that faith believes? That Jesus and the Father are one. That the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. The great truth of biblical Christianity is that for our Salvation, none less than God Himself, came right where we are and did what had to be done. And that was to die on the cross for our sins. Without the death of Jesus on the cross, there is no forgiveness of our sin. There's no salvation for any sinner who has ever been born in this world. Without Jesus' death on the cross satisfying the justice of who? God the Father then none of us, none of us would, would go to heaven the day of our death. None of us would go to the new heavens and the new earth when Christ comes. And we're not to think of Jesus simply as a wonderful man who knew and taught about the Father. That's how many view Jesus. That He was a wonderful man. He was a, a good teacher. He, some would even call him a prophet. And he's all those things, right? He, he was a perfect man. He is the perfect teacher. He is the perfect prophet. But he's more than just a man. He and the Father are one. The Father was in Jesus and Jesus was in the Father. It is impossible to know one and to not know 
the other. And so as Jesus asked, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? In the Greek, uh, it is expressed in such a way to show that the answer, yes, is expected. Philip should have known this already. Uh, Philip should not have been asking the question or, or, or asking with his request, show us the, the Father and it is enough for us. Philip should have understood these things. Now, earlier in this gospel, we have been told that the, the, the Jews, on the basis of what they had seen in him, in Christ, that they ought to have come to know the Father was in Jesus and that he was in the Father. But that was mentioned to the Jews who had not walked with Jesus for three years, who had not heard every sermon he, he preached, who had not seen every miracle he performed, but not so Philip. Philip had been with him, Philip should have known this already because he had been closer to Jesus and had seen more than the Jews who were mentioned in John chapter 10. And so yes, this is a, a mild rebuke of our Lord to Philip. He tells him the words that I say to you. I do not speak on my own authority. Throughout this gospel, we have heard Jesus say, say to us, the words that I speak do not come from me. They come from my Father. I come speaking His words. And then in verse 11, He continues, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on, the account, on account of the works themselves. And Jesus is calling Philip and all of those that were listening to believe. Throughout this gospel, there runs the thought that Jesus' message was not of human origin. It was a divine message. It was a message that came from God. And now he moves immediately to what? To the works he manifested in his life. And when we think of, of works, what do we think of? Miracles, right? Great miracles. What's a, a miracle? It is God working above and beyond the ordinary way of His working in this world. And we think back to John chapter 11, what do we find? Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now that wasn't the first time someone had been raised from the dead. But it wasn't done often. It was a great work. It was a great miracle. And if nothing else showed that Jesus was God, it should have been that. Because who can raise the dead but God alone? No one can. And so these works have been manifested in the life of Jesus. These miracles of Jesus are often seen as signs. A sign of what? It's a sign that Jesus is not just an ordinary man, but that He is divine. What is a, a miracle to us, to our Lord, is nothing more than a work. Now how can that be? Well, He's Creator. He, he's created all things. The very laws of nature that we have in this world, who gave them to us? It wasn't man, it was God. And so if God gave us the very laws of nature, can God suspend those laws of nature? Absolutely. 
And so these works, they, these miracles that we, we are astonished by, they are, are merely works to our, our Lord. And, and so this term, this idea of Jesus saying, believe me that I am, am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves, it, it makes clear to us that the life of Jesus was a unity. He did not do some things as God and then some things as man. No, he did everything, every work he did, both miraculous and non-miraculous, he did in his person. Yes, he's fully man and fully God, but one person. Again, Philip had seen the way Jesus lived and, and the wonderful things he did. And, and so the imperative belief, as Jesus says that, he's not just saying that to, to Philip. He's saying that to the whole group. It is plural. Believe is plural in form. And, and he is applying it to all of the disciples today. Uh, all of the disciples that heard those words. They were to believe that the Father was in the Son, and the Son was in the Father. And if they could not believe that truth, then they were to believe on account of every work that Jesus had done in His life. Now there's some out there today, and they, they urge Christians that we should not be so dogmatic that we simply should proceed on the basis of simple trust in God. After all, Jesus ain't believed tonight. They tell us that all the, the load of doctrine that the church has acquired through the, the centuries should be jettisoned, should be let go of. It is urged that we should simply live in, in, in simple trust in God. But is that what Jesus is arguing tonight? No, He is reminding us of something that is very important, that is, he reminded us of last week, and it is this, Christianity is not a faith in faith, it is faith in God who has revealed himself in Jesus. In other words, if we do not believe in Jesus, we do not believe in God the Father. It is faith that the Father is in Jesus, and that Jesus is, is in the Father. It is the faith that Jesus is calling His disciples to have in our text this evening. And anything less than this is not Christian faith. Anyone who would say to you, you don't have to be so dogmatic about Jesus that there are other ways to God except through Christ, that is not at all Christian faith nor belief. Think back of, of the martyrs of the Christian faith, if they had been told that. What did they die for? They died for the fact that, that there is no Christian faith, there is no way to have it except through Jesus Christ. They laid down their life. These disciples would lay down their lives for, for that very doctrine that Jesus is teaching them tonight. But so many in the church, we want to give that up. We want to, we want to conform to the world and say, well, as long as you believe in a generic God, you're okay. Jesus says, no. 
There is no such thing as a generic God. There's no such thing as, as a God separate of the God of the Bible and Jesus Christ who has revealed Him to us. We do not believe in the plurality of gods, but one. And Jesus reminds us tonight that if we have true faith in Him, then we know the Father. And so what application can we make? Well, that's the first one, is it not? To, to know Jesus is to know God the Father. Where and how do we know Jesus? It's not by Him appearing to us. We know Him through the Word of God. If you want to know Jesus tonight, read the Scriptures. Because what are the Scriptures? They are Jesus, the Word. The Logos of God is Christ. The writer of Hebrews in the first chapter reminds us of what Philip knew, that in times past God appeared to His people in, in dreams and in visions and in different ways, and He spoke to them directly. But what does He say? How does God speak to us in these last days? Through His Son. Now, what are the last days? The last days are those days between the ascension of Jesus and His second coming. We are in the last days. We don't know how long they'll be. Already over 2,000 years, maybe 2,000 more. But in these last days, the only way that, that God speaks to us, the only way we can know God as we know Jesus, is through His Word. In God's Word, we have all that we need to know. We have all that we need to know about Jesus. We have all that we need to know about God. And God's Word gives us exactly what we need to know in order to come to Christ in faith and to know Him. And as we know Him, to know God the Father. And we can also, also say to know God the Spirit. The second, how do we see Jesus? Jesus tells us that if we have seen Him, we have seen the Father. There's none of us here tonight who have seen Jesus with our physical eyes. There's not one of us. Now, we have seen so-called pictures of Jesus. And guess what? None of them are true either. There's not one picture of Jesus that is true. Men have ideas of what Jesus looked like. But we have not seen Him with our physical eyes. And again, anyone who, have se who says they have seen Jesus with their physical eyes, let's just be honest, they're lying. Because that means the second coming has happened. And what John tells us in Revelation, when that second coming, coming happens, every eye will see Him. And so where do we see Jesus? The same way we know Jesus. The same place, the Word of God. Now, the last day, we'll see Jesus with our physical glorified eyes. And guess what? He will look nothing like we think He should look. He'll be in His glory coming for His people. But right now, we see Him through the Word. Think of all that we have learned in John's Gospel, all that we have seen in the miracles of Jesus as He's performed these great miracles, as we've heard Him say uh, that He is the great I am. We see Him in the Word of God and that is enough. The works that Jesus did in His earthly life was for us. 
and for our salvation. And so finally, do you have faith that the Father is in Jesus and that Jesus is in the Father? If so, then praise God tonight because He has revealed that to you. And there are many tonight that that has not been revealed to you. What made you so special? Absolutely nothing other than the fact that God loved you. And God chose to love you from before the foundation of the world. And at His appropriate time revealed these great truths to you. But if not, then what are you to do? You hear these words tonight. Believe. Believe that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. Have faith in Him tonight. Understand that as you as you believe and put your faith in Jesus, you then, for the first time, know God the Father. Because if you know not Jesus, you know not the Father. And so what is required of us is to come to Christ in faith and repentance. Again, why do we need that? Why do we need to repent of sins? Because we're sinners. Very simple. We are sinners by nature. That's who we are. That's how we were born. That's how we were conceived in, in this world. And unless our sins and the, and, the, and the debt of our sins been paid to God the Father and, and His justice has been served on a substitute who is Jesus, then, then we are still in our sins. And we will pay for them. But the substitute is Christ. And as we come to Christ in faith, believing in Him, turning from our sins, and we put our faith and trust in Him, then we understand that Jesus paid the price for our sins at Calvary. The disciples would come to understand that eventually. And as they understood that, they would go out boldly with that gospel. And so come to Christ. Tonight we see what Jesus did for us. You know, I said earlier, none of us have seen a true picture of Jesus. Let me take that back just a little bit because before us we have a true picture of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. His body given for us. His blood shed for us. And this is the only legitimate picture we have of our Lord. And so as we come to the table tonight, we must have faith in Jesus and Him alone. We must know that, that God the Father has been revealed through God the Son. That God the Son is in the Father and God the Father is in the Son. We must believe that. We must know it to be true. And we must know to be true that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And He rose on the third day for our justification. It is required of us to have faith. And so with that faith, we come to the table rejoicing that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, rejoicing in the fact that His death is our salvation and our redemption. Rejoicing in the fact that we know tonight God the Father because we know God the Son. And we know Him in faith. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we thank You tonight for that revelation that comes to us through Jesus. 
We thank You, O God, that You have been revealed to us through Your Son. And may we understand that tonight. And may we understand and come to this table in faith. And Lord, I pray for any here this evening that does not have that faith, that You would give them such faith. That as You reveal their sin to them, that You would give them the very heart they need to cry out unto the Lord for salvation. That they would do that. And as they come to know Christ, they come to know the Father and the Spirit. And they have salvation. Lord, we ask that you'd bless this sacrament that you've given to the church. May it be a means of grace for all of us who come and partake this evening in faith. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.